0: Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 100 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. Whether this is the first time you've stopped by, or you've been listening since day one, or anything in between, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of my journey to 100 episodes. My show isn't the biggest or the best, but I really enjoy putting it out there for each and every topper to listen to. I hope you will continue to explore etymology with me each week. Now what are we discussing today? Since we are celebrating a milestone number of episodes today, and I really have fun making this podcast, I'm doing a theme of fun and celebration. So put on your party hats, grab some snacks, and let's celebrate today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up today, I want to discuss the word milestone. A literal milestone is a stone that marks the span of a mile, and a metaphorical milestone is a significant thing or time in someone's life. Way back in old-timey times, the ancient Romans had a network of roads that spanned around 53,000 miles. About every 1,000 paces, a stone was placed, marking a distance of about 4,800 feet between them. Now, that is less than a mile between the stones, yes, but not by that much, and this is the first known use of stones placed equidistant from each other to mark long distances. The word milestone wasn't in use until much later, coming into use in 1746. It came from the words mile and stone, which is not really surprising. Mile started out as the German word melee spelled M-E-I-L-E, which meant league. A league is the measurement of a distance that a person can walk in one hour at an average speed, which is about three miles or five kilometers. Mille became the Dutch word mijl, spelled M-I-J-L, then the Latin word milia, spelled M-I-L-L-I-A. This meant a thousand and was basically a shortened version of passus, meaning a thousand paces. Knowing that, it makes sense why the Roman milestones were placed about a thousand paces apart. Anyway, milia became the Proto-Germanic word miljo, spelled M-I-L-I-J-O, which became the Old English word mil, spelled M-I-L. Finally, in Middle English, we get to the word mile that we have today. Whew! That was quite a word journey. Stone comes from the Proto-Germanic word *stanes*, spelled S-T-A-I-N-A-Z, which became stan, S-T-A-N, in Old English, then stone in Middle English. We still use mile markers today, and some are even still stone. Typically, you can see a literal milestone from a distance, and can see yourself getting closer to it as you travel. This is where the saying comes from. If you're working towards something, you can metaphorically see your destination ahead, and it feels good to get there. As for the exact when and how a milestone went from literal to metaphorical, it's unknown. I did find a use from the early 20th century, so it had to be before then. Stephen Spender, an English poet, novelist, and essayist, wrote The Funeral in 1933, and in it he included, quote, Death is another milestone on their way. End quote. Now, let's let our hair down. To let your hair down means to relax and have a good time. This one is fairly straightforward, as it comes from the literal action of women letting their hair down to relax and have a good time. It comes from old-timey times, specifically in the 17th century when women were always expected to have their hair up when not at home. Typically, this was done in everything from a bun to a fancy updo, but how it was pinned up didn't matter. It just couldn't be down. If a woman took her hair down, it was called disheveling. These days, disheveled just means untidy, but back then it was really only used to describe taking one's hair down. We know this thanks to an oft mentioned man on the show, John Cockgrave, the English lexicographer. In his sixteen fifty five work The English Treasury of Wit and Language, he included this definition of a disheveler quote to dishevel to pull the hair about the ears. End quote. When women were home for the day and would no longer be seeing anyone outside of her family, she could unpin her hair, letting it down and relax. Even though it became more socially acceptable for women to wear their hair down over time, a lot of women still pinned up their hair in public until the 1920s, when short haircuts became popular for them to have. Although the fashion changed, the idea of letting one's hair down being a way to say, have a good time, didn't. And the saying has been in use ever since. Now, even though the literal hair-lowering led to the saying, there was a stepping stone between the action and the idiom. In the 19th century, a woman's long hair might be called her back hair, since it draped down her back. The United States Magazine and Democratic Review, also just known as the Democratic Review, was a popular journal and literary magazine. In the January 1847 edition, we find this quote. She becomes crazy, despises her paternal parent, lets her back hair down, and runs about in a nightgown. Why do crazy women in operas always let their back hair down? End quote. No one seems to know for sure when back was taken out of the saying, but by 1933 the modern version of the saying was in use. Pelham Wodehouse, an English writer, used it in his work, Heavenweather, that year. He wrote, quote, You needn't be coy, Beach. No reporters present. We can take our hair down and tell each other our right names. End quote. So from relaxing to having fun to acting wild, this saying has morphed from an action to an idiom that means to celebrate and have a good time. Now let's continue the fun with a whale. If someone is having a whale of a time, they're having a really good time, or enjoying something immensely. This is also sometimes said as a whale of a good time. This one makes sense, because whales are pretty big creatures. Before whales were used to imply a good time was being had, they were being used idiomatically to describe large things in general. In The Day, a publication from Glasgow, We find a reference to this on March 28th of 1832. Quote, They fib by equivocation. They don't come plump out with a tremendous whaler of a fib, but seek to do it by equivocation and confusion of words and ideas. But in any way, it is all fibbing. End quote. They were saying that a big fib would be a whaler, using the large animal to evoke a mental image of a large lie. By 1895, whale was being used in a variety of large sayings, as evidenced by an article from the Inlander, a magazine put out by the students of Michigan University. In December of that year, Willard Gore wrote an article called Student Slang, and it included the following definitions of whale, Quote, One, a person who is a prodigy either physically or intellectually, one who is exceptionally strong, skillful, or brilliant. He's a whale at tennis. He's a whale in mathematics. Two, something exceptionally large as a whale of a procession, jolly as a whale of a time, or severe as a whale of an examination. End quote. For such a big saying, there's not a lot of information out there, but now you know what I know about it. And with that, it's time for today's Familiar Quotation. Topper's today's familiar quotation is from Jack Garrett. Here's what he had to say about reaching milestones. Quote, With every milestone that I've come across, there's always been a little note at the bottom that said, Don't worry, there's another milestone coming up. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Garrett, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't manage your husband too visibly. Of course, he may require the most careful management, But you don't want your friends to think of him as a hen-pecked husband. Above all, never let him think you manage him. And now for the men. Don't think that if you married merely to get an unpaid housekeeper, that position is going to satisfy your wife. She could have obtained a good salary as professional housekeeper to any other man if she'd wanted to. She married for other reasons. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 100. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers. Thank you for helping me reach 100 Reasons to Celebrate. Toodaloo. And now, this is... Let me rephrase. And was basically a shortened version of Millet Paus. Nope. <laughs> this one makes sense. Be... Nope. I don't like the way that sounds. In the day, a publication from Glasgow. Glasgow. <laughs> it's not a glass tchotchke cow. That it's a Glasgow. Yeah, how do you say? Now I'm doubting myself. Glasgow. 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 Why is there a here? <laughs> no, I said it wrong. Glasgow. 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 In the day, a publication from Glasgow. <laughs> It's just Glas Glasgow Glasgow. I'm saying Glasgow. It, Glasgow. That's right. Okay. In the day, a publication from Glasgow. I'm <laughs> sorry. just Glasgow. It sounds like I, I I don't know. I'm not making fun of the name of the the place. I'm just making fun of how weird it sounds coming out of my mouth. So, not meaning to offend anyone from Glasgow. I just think it sounds weird in my head. One more time, Glasgow. As Let's go do this. <laughs> we find a reverent. A Now, come on. Now, you're just messing up words to mess them up at this point. Come on, brain. They fib by ev- equivoc. <laughs> okay. But seek to do it by equivoc. <laughs> Who puts equivocation in one sentence twice? Who does that to to me? I mean, I'm the one that chose to to say it, but... Equivocation. Equivocation. This has been pronunciation with ASMR Bing, only Bing because for some reason that's the default in this browser. Equivocation. Equivocation. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Let me get back into the mode here.